Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. That, that's why. That's why you'll see us talk and the signs and the shirts and the, we're trying to get you to trip over something that says community groups on it because we believe faith is shaped in the context of relationship. We believe your faith grows stronger in relationship and we believe God writes stories like that when your life is found interwoven and connected to other people in relationship. And so again, you've got these group forms and all this stuff. And we have a team of people and their job in this community is to help you find some great people that you can live life with, walk with, and do faith with. And so I'm going to just staple that down in scripture this morning, unpack our vision for community and relationship right here at Momentum. We've got a whole lot of God's word, not a lot of time. I'm going to pray Acts 2 if you want to follow along with me and we'll dive in and go. Let me pray and we'll go. Uh, God and Father, there's no one like you. We sing it and we mean it. You're the one we want to build our lives on. You are the firm foundation, God. You have given us one another to, to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to show up for each other. And God, I just pray that you would fuel us by the power of your word to just be that kind of community right here, right now in our midst. So God, we look to you. Teach us, grow us, shape us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll tell you a story. Once upon a time, there were no churches. No Catholics, no Protestants, no, no Methodists, no Evangelicals. There were no pastors. There wasn't even a Bible. There was just Jesus son of God, and 12 men that he had brought alongside of them. He gave them this invitation. He gave them this invitation to follow him. So they had front row seats to the life of Jesus, and they followed Jesus around and watched him teach and watched him love and watched him change the world in real time. And almost from the first day, Jesus started telling these guys, I'm telling you, watch what I'm doing because a day is coming when I'm going to go. Hey, I will no longer be with you. A day is coming. I will be gone. Take it from me. This is your time. Celebrate while you can, but I'm leaving. And then on the first Good Friday ever, it happened. Jesus got into this upper room with those disciples and we, we romanticize the upper room. Yes, the Passover happened. Jesus did communion with his followers, but this picture of this table and these wine cups and this feast is not what that moment was. Did you ever have that time in school? Maybe you were in college and the test was on next Friday and you're like, oh, it's next Friday. And then you're just minding your business, you're Xboxing, you're doing whatever it is you guys do in college now. And then all of a sudden it was next Friday. And then you realized you had all but six hours before the test came. And then you just crammed as much as you could. You read it out loud. You looked at the notes. You, you did everything you could to cram into you what you needed for that moment. 
That is this moment in the upper room, John 13 through 17. Jesus is having a cram session with the disciples, and he tells them, boys, if you've seen me, you've seen God. It's enough. The things you've seen me do, you're going to go and do. You're going to do even greater things than me. And gentlemen, above all else, stay unified. Love one another, because if you love one another, the world will know that I am God. And moments later, it happened. He was betrayed by a friend, tried by the Jews, and executed by Rome. And they watched him, murdered, brutalized, hung on a cross, and buried in a tomb. Three days later, something unexpected happened. Three days later, they went to check the tomb. We don't know what they were going to do specifically, but the tomb was empty. Not too long after that, Jesus began to appear to people in the flesh. There are eyewitnesses who documented it in scripture. He shows up to Mary, to Martha, to Peter, Andrew, James, John, later to Thomas. And then he shows up to 500 other people who become convinced that Jesus really was the son of God. And then he ascends into heaven. But before he goes, he gives them some instructions. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Translation, what you've seen me do, it's your turn to do. What you've seen me teach, it's your turn to teach. What you've seen me love and step into humanity, emptying myself out for them in love, you go and do likewise in the world around you. And they did it. And there was a group of people, and they were in a room praying together, these first believers in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit falls on this place, and they're filled with a power. One of them named Peter, who once was a coward, now stands up courageous, preaches the gospel for one of the first times ever. And the same crowd that killed Jesus is standing there. And Peter says, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucify, Lord and God. They were cut to the heart. They say, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized. 3,000 people repent and turn their lives over to Christ in that day. And just like that, the first church ever was established. And I love this part of scripture because it's so sweet and so pure. It's not loaded down with tradition these people didn't have Christian publishing companies and, and YouTube channels devoted to faith and bands and who's in and worship movements. They didn't have scar tissue and damage. They didn't have tradition shaping their faith. They had two things. They had the power of the Holy Spirit and they had each other. And they clung to those things. They clung to the Holy Spirit, allowing him to shape and guide and transform. And they clung to one another. And we get this sweet little picture in Scripture of the relationships they had. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you want to sum this up in a sentence? They loved each other so well, they transformed the world. And it's a vision, guys. It's a vision for the relationships that we're called to have today. You have a little outline in your note sheets. Uh, I get to most of the blanks sometimes, uh, but we're just going to try and go and see what's in there. If you like notes and all that stuff, you got a pen maybe when you came in, and you got a note sheet where you can begin filling these things in. But I just want to unpack the vision that we see in these words for relationships in our lives and the kind of community we're called to create today. Number one is relationships that are filled with substance. The first line in this little passage and in this vision is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. For us today, that is Scripture. And Scripture is what sits underneath our relationships as a foundation for them, giving substance to the interactions, the interchanges, and the relationships that we share with one another. By the way, New Year, if you're checking out church, hey, maybe I want to connect to church this year. What kind of church is this? Can I cut? I'll cut to the chase. I'll tell you one of the defining characteristics of this church. For us, this is the Word of God. This is the inspired word of God. This is authoritative over my feelings. This has authority over what culture says is cool and popular. This wins over what I want and how I feel in this place. This wins. Better than that, we believe that these words are supernaturally filled with life from God. When we consume them, when we read them, when we live them, we become more alive. And it is this word that adds a substance to our relationships. So come on. Um, I, I, so what this means for us. I, I love small talk. I never met a stranger. I can chat all day. You talk, I, it's playoff season right now. I, I'm dying to talk to somebody about what the Titans are doing. It's incredible. And that running back, what's his last name? Henry. He's 6'4", 240, and runs a 4'3". I'll talk about that all day with you. Yes, football. Yes, hobbies. Yes, hey, where are you going on vacation this year? But, but also this. Also, hey, what's God saying to you through his word this week? Also, hey, small talk, where are you golfing? What's your favorite golf course? Oh, you like sandwiches, me too. Um, but also, hey, I'm not sure the group of friends around my kid is taking them where this book would have them go, and, and I just need you to be praying for me this week. It's also, yes, I was in the Word, and, and I read something, and it convicted me, and I think I have to actually go and apologize to a coworker, and it's going to get reared really fast, but I just need you to have my back. Relationships with substance, you guys. Uh, I was a youth pastor for 14 some odd years, and I worked with students forever, and, and I called it the bro zone. And, and what happened is you'd get a group of guys and we did small groups just like adults do small groups and, and it would start out so good and you're just trying to get the guys to connect to one another. 
And then you finally do, and, and they, they connect, and they talk, and they can hang, and they, they become friends, and they find what their common bonds are, and they talk sports, and they talk Stranger Things on Netflix, and then they talk Xbox, and what game are you playing? But then this thing would happen, and you have to watch for it, where the relationships would just kind of devolve, and everybody showed up for something spiritual, but then all of a sudden it just kind of devolves into something really ordinary, where all it's about is the games, and the Netflix, and the things that they're into, and you'd have to go, God, Guys, 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 hey, that's good, but this is better. And, and I just want to hold that up as a vision for us as a community. Yes, small talk. Yes, life groups. Yes, like going out for a run. Oh, you hike, I hike, let's hike. Yes, all that. But yes to Scripture. Yes to relationships marked by substance. There's this Scripture in Colossians, and it says, let the teaching of Christ and his words keep on living in you. Okay, anybody ever live in the American South? Anybody spent passing through, you spent some time? Here's how you know. If you went to a restaurant and, and sweet tea was one of the options, you were in the South. Maybe you didn't realize it, but, but that's how you know. If you, if you spend some time there, been around that at all in your life, you're gonna get this scripture because the you at the end is plural. So if you've been in the South, it's saying, let his words keep on living in y'all. Thank you. If there's a crowd and you're in the South, it's all y'all. And that's what he's saying. You let these words dwell in you. How do we do that? We do that when our relationships are centered on Scripture when they're fed by scripture, where we talk about what God is doing in us and what he wants to do through us. It's relationships with substance. The next phrase in the notes here in the scripture says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. It later goes on to say they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That word is this great Greek word, koinonia, and, and it just has this beautiful language tied into it of true connection. It's, it's the idea that there are people who actually know you and people you are making an effort to get to know. I think we could all relate to that feeling of being in a room full of people and all of a sudden you feel really alone and you don't really know why. This is God saying, not in my family. In the family of God, there are people you, you know, and there are people who are getting to know you. Now, I get where this is going. I, am, uh, I didn't come naturally to this. Matter of fact, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Any other recovering perfectionist in the house? And so I, for the longest time, a pastor comes up, and he starts talking about sitting in a feeling circle and sharing what I'm really going through. I don't like that. I'll show, oh, I'll help you. You need, oh my goodness, you're I'll pray for you, how much you need, I'll write a check, I got your ride to the airport, but when I'm on the other end, and I'm the one who's asking for help, and hey, could you, and this isn't, eee. But this is where we have to realize that the gospel empowers us to make ourselves known. Think on this for a minute. There's this other verse, I want to unpack it because I'm not even going to make it to the end of this thing on time. But, but it says, it, says they, it talks about they broke bread together, but there's this other line where it says the breaking of the bread, and it's talking about communion, and it just means the gospel, the freedom and forgiveness of Jesus ran through every last part of their relationships. And here's what you need to know about the gospel. It welcomes us into the faith, 
but it also propels us forward in our faith. When you become a Christian, it just begins to work in you. And then as you dive into the unconditional loving acceptance of God in your life through Jesus, it emboldens you to share. Because when you realize every last part of you is already forgiven and accepted by God, it empowers you to take off the mask and make yourself known. It does. And the craziest thing happens when you have the courage to step out in grace and take off the mask and become known, you empower others to do the same. Britt and I have led community groups on and off at Momentum forever. I, I promise you, I apologize if you have been in one of my groups or are currently. I think I am one of the worst small group leaders we have in the church. I'm too type A for small group because I say a question and then I want to go, you should say this, you should say that. Here's your, no, that was the wrong answer. Say a little, no, here's what you really needed. And I'm just a mess. And, and so I just apologize in advance. And we had one of our usual small group four unfolding and, and we were leading this community group and it was just stuck I mean it, everybody showed up but nobody showed up and and so we would gather and we'd be together and we'd be like I'd read the question and, oh it's a you know talk about the message and say what where did you meet you know what happened in your life and nobody would say anything and then, and then we'd get to prayer requests, and the deepest we could get is like somebody would be like, oh yeah, yeah, I got it. Like five weeks in, somebody had a prayer request, and they're like, yeah, um, so my uncle's barber's dog got really sick last week, and, and if we could just be lifting up the dog this week, and that, I was so mad, but that was all we had to work with. I was like, oh yeah, very good, I'll be praying. For it. And it was terrible. And then we had this, this new couple show up. And I mean new, like literally out of the waters of baptism into the group. And they were rough around the edges and as raw as it gets. And, and I mean, I'm telling you, they knew Jesus saves and they knew we need people in our lives who can help us with all our issues. And, and I mean, their kids just hopped into my house and just started knocking things over and screaming at one another. But they just knew Jesus saves. You said community is healing. I'll be in community and you guys can help us with our issues. And so prayer requests came around and, and it was so sweet because you know, like, they didn't get so, like, people have been around church forever. Like, somewhere along the way, somebody teaches that lesson is like, you don't share what you're actually going through. You share that thing that's like three tiers above what you're going through that's socially acceptable to share in the context of community. They didn't get that memo. We are sitting there for prayer requests. Her, him, kids running around tearing up the place. She goes, yeah, uh, if, if you guys could be praying for us. Like, yeah, sure, what do you need? I'm just happy to get a prayer request in at this point. She said, yeah, when um, I've, I've had this problem where when I'm with my husband, I begin envisioning another man. And by, by that she meant when she's with her husband, she envisioned another man. Y'all, I blushed. I pride myself. Brent and I always say nothing surprises us anymore. Yo, I was a, listen, they don't teach you that in community group school. 
There is no, okay, very good. I wrote it down, and I was like, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. We will be praying over that. And here's the crazy thing. Number one, she got help and healing and wholeness because she was willing to become open and share her real life with people. But the craziest thing happened after that. It unstuck our group. The grace she had experienced and the way she grabbed hold of it, I mean, half of it was like, well, hey, what I'm doing is not as bad as what she's doing, so I'll just say my prayer request. That's fine. She emboldened us to be more faithful, and that's what relationships that are filled with substance and connection look like. Um, we said, number three, you get this vision for prayer. It says they were devoted to prayer. I'll just push you in this. I think, I think the connection card is amazing. I love seeing prayer requests and celebrations uh, in our connection card. I love when I, I get an email with the request and we have a prayer team. They pray over these anonymously. And, and, and I love seeing what God's doing in your life. But can I tell you something? This is just step one. This isn't our end game. This is a step in. And what's even better than this is when you're in a circle, in community, with a group of people, and you sit with them, and you share your life, and, and you say where you really need prayer. What are you afraid of? What are your biggest challenges? What obstacles does your family have? And then a group of people prays for you. Two things happen. Number one, you become less selfish. Because when there's some names on your prayer list other than your own, you grow selfless in a hurry. Number two, your faith expands. I mean, it's happening in my community group right now. We, 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 the, guys go, the girls go upstairs, the guys are in the garage, and we say, hey, here's what I got, here's what I got, here's what I got. And we pray for each other, and we text each other through the week. And the craziest thing happened. I mean, this is just one of many. This guy was like, I have a proposal. And, and there's this one guy in my industry, and he is my nemesis. He literally sits and scoffs when I talk in a room. I'm like, dude, we could rough this guy up right now. It's fine. He goes, it's the worst. I can't stand this guy. And I'm making the biggest sale of my life this week, and he's on the board that's going to be reviewing it. He said, we'll pray for you. We prayed all week. Sunday came. Hey, what happened? Craziest thing, you guys. Something happened, and he couldn't be there. Kill! And I'm telling you, that grew my faith in that moment. That grew, I, I mean, I've read books. I like scripture. But there's a whole dynamic of my faith when I'm in community with a group of people. And they're praying for me. And I'm praying for them. And we're lifting each other up. And then we're watching God move. That is special. And I want that for you. Um, here's what else it says. Relationships where people watch out for one another. I'll, I'll unpack this quickly. It says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and give to anyone who had need. Um, yes, but before you, what kind of hippie socialism does this church think? No, it wasn't communism. It wasn't something like that. Why? Because this was voluntary. Peter wasn't there like, all right, man, what do you got? You're going to give it to them, okay? It was voluntary and it was temporary. 
most scholars think, scholars think there was a bunch of people in Jerusalem and, and for the Feast of Weeks in the Jewish calendar. Tons of them are around. They're part of the 3,000 who accept Christ. They have this new faith blossoming in their souls, and they just needed some help to establish that faith. And so some people who had some things said, hey, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to provide for you. We're going to keep you in town for a few extra weeks so you can establish your faith and take it back to your community. It's talking about people who watch out for one another. It's talking about a community where you, you go, oh, it's a, you need a ride to the airport? What time are you? Okay, I got you. Hey, we've been watching how hard you work and what's going on in your life. And I'm guessing in your life there's not a lot of breathing room right now. Can we just take the kids? We'll put on a movie and you guys go do your thing. Oh, you're moving? Hey, what, when, when are you moving? All right, I will definitely be there. I'm not moving anything, but I will bring carne asada. It's good. I got you. We can open up the house and I'll do the tacos and y'all tell me when it's moved. I got you. It's a church where people meet one another's needs. Now, here's the thing. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Anybody wake up this morning and be like, I, I want to go to church today, but I just have so, I feel so connected right now. I'm just going to rest in this. I got so much community around me and my relationships just flow so deep right now that, I mean, geez, if I go to church and I connect with more people, I mean, it's just going to be too much joy and I'll, I'll feel too satisfied. No, we all want this. But it's something we can't get to. We've done this before. Loneliness statistics in the U.S., I'll go fast. 54% say they always or sometimes feel uh, that no one knows them well. Uh, 70 studies following 3.4 million people over seven years found that lonely individuals have a 26% higher risk of dying, like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Four out of 10 individuals in the United States think their relationships aren't meaningful. It's the 18 to 22-year-olds and the elderly who are leading the charge. Everybody wants this, but so few people can get to it. And you go, why is that? And I'll tell you why. As a pastor, on behalf of pastors, I can accept some of the blame for this. Because I think we often skip over the most important part of this passage that I just unpacked for us. Pastors love this. of like, we got to get back to the early church. This is when everything was okay. And you overlook all the mistakes that they made. And people look at this and they're like, that's relationship. I want that kind of relationship in my life. I can't find out. But we forget the three most important words. Of the passage. It's the first three words. You know how they got relationships like this? They devoted themselves. Throw it up there big. They devoted themselves. The reason they had these great relationships is because they were willing to work at it. The reason community was overflowing in this place was because they wanted to put in the hard work. Here's the friendship myth, okay? The friendship myth is if I am who I am and do what I do, I'm going to have great relationships. I'll be walking along and whoop, all of a sudden, here they are. I am so connected. But the problem is it doesn't work that way. If you am who you am and do what you do, then, then it doesn't just lead to great relationships. It leads to isolation. Hard work leads to great relationships. They devoted themselves. What happens over and over, I watch this as a pastor all the time. Somebody wants relationships, they crave it, but they don't do the work. And then you get the 22-year-old going, oh, it's just so cliquish over there. You get the military wife who's like, I can't wait to leave this town. It's just so cold here. 
You get the 45-year-old guy who has a bunch of softball buddies, but no relationships with substance. Why? Because he couldn't work at it. You know, one of the greatest verses on relationship in Scripture, it's in Ephesians 4. It says, be completely humble and patient, bearing with one another in love. What? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond. You know why it says make every effort? Because great relationships are going to require you to make every effort. They take work. See, so many people think relationships work like this. I got this. I can walk in. I can pull this out when I want. And, and it, it, it's just sweet. It goes down smooth. It's tasty to me. Every single time I need this, it's here for me. It, all, I, it always shows up the same, just how I want it, when I want it. I can take what I need from it. I can put this away, and, and, and I can just enjoy what I want to enjoy. I can be in when I want to be in. I, I can savor this thing. It's going to be sweet and easy the whole time, but, but that's not the truth. That word, bearing with one another, it literally means to come underneath a weight. I'm probably sweating, y'all. Forgive me in Jesus' name. <laughs> this is the picture in that scripture. It means come up underneath the weight. This is what relationship building feels like. Walking into somebody's, trying one of these groups and going into a living room full of strangers where somebody's gonna ask you about the Bible is frightening. Making yourself known, especially when the last group you were around burnt you and, and you connected to them and you were in and then they did some things and you left and it was just a big pile of ashes left behind and then to step back out and say, I'm gonna try again because this is who I'm called to be and I need this. That takes effort. Showing up for people takes effort. It takes devotion. Are you willing to work for it? Here's what you do. If you wanna know where you aim that, you aim it at this, devote your time. One of the greatest community group leaders I ever had, his name is Adam Olgeen, and, and every single community group, he started by saying the same thing. He would say, quantity time leads to quality time. What he meant is, if we keep showing up for one another, we're eventually gonna have a deep bond. And he was right. Because here's what I know about you and the people you're close to. You've got some time in together. You've got some miles together. You got to devote your time to this. See, in Southern California in 2020, there's so much going on and places to get your kids and things to be a part of and entertainment that you can do. Like flaking on plans is one of the greatest Swedish joys that we can encounter these days. You ever have somebody call you and go, hey, sorry, we're not going to be able to make it. And you're like, oh, oh man, that's okay. Don't worry. And you're like, yes. Sinners. You ever have a plan on the calendar? And you're like, dang it, I'm so tired and I don't want to be at blank. Hold that for a minute. Do you know connection and freedom 
are on opposite axes. You know what that means? The more free you are, the less connected you become. So you look at this plan that you have, and you don't want to be there. So you make the call, and you say, I can't. You feel good for a moment because you're becoming more free, but that feeling is also you becoming less connected. You devote your time, and you get something. This is, this is an investment, you guys. You devote your time, and you get something better in return. Something sweeter than personal freedom and liberty is connection. Two, you devote your faith. I wish, oh gosh, I wish I could principalize this for you. I wish I could turn this something into and it rhymed and then you could do it and give minimal time to this. Um, but this is, this is what I mean. I don't mean bite your cheek and be a better Christian. I mean, some people do not have the relational world they desire because they do not have the internal world required. And the reason that none of your friendships are where you'd like them to be, and the reason that you're on this 24-month cycle with groups and people is because you can connect and you can fake it for about 24 minutes before those unresolved issues take over and sabotage your relationships again. And there is one remedy for that, and it is Jesus Christ. It is his gospel breaking loose in your soul, bringing health, healing, and redemption, and making you whole again. And as your internal world transforms, your relationships would transform as well. Some of you are like me, and you're still stuck up there on number two. You're like, uh, you lost me at share my life with people because there's some stuff in here I'm not okay telling them about. Well, the reason you're not okay to tell them is you haven't accepted it about yourself. And when I say accepted about yourself, I'm not talking about these millennials and the cute Instagram posts they say about accepting yourself. There's only one way to accept yourself, and it's to realize that God has first accepted you. And that he looked at you as you are, your failure, your baggage, your unresolved issues, and he wrote forgiven over all of that. And those issues don't define you anymore. And if by the power of God that could become real to you, the mask would just dissolve. Because you would see yourself like God, and you wouldn't have anything to be ashamed of anymore. God designed it like this. Your faith needs people. And, and it, to get to the right people, your life needs faith. Faith needs people, your life needs faith. And you can't just pick one or the other. And this is the painful part for me as a pastor, because I can't do it for you. I wish I could hop in your soul and pull this lever that said connect. And then you did and all this stuff. What I can do is provide an opportunity. God's writing a special story in this faith family. And so we do this event every now and then called New to Momentum or Welcome Dinner. It's at my house. And it's what we do to help people enter into the story that God is writing through this church. I would love you there. It is the quickest and most simple way to connect at this place. And secondly, it's this. These groups, community group, join a group, this vision, it's carried out in groups. There's that form in your outline, and it's there to help you connect. 
and I would love for you to try a group. We've got something special where if you're trying a group, right after church, there's lunch, childcare, tables, and you can get a taste of the group experience before you commit to something. I would love for you to try that. Not because you have to, not because I'm a pastor and that's what I'm supposed to say, but because I want something for you. The vision is simple, guys. Relationships are where faith is built. Relationship is where great stories are written. Relationship is what you were made for. My heart, my hope, is that you would have that courage in God to jump at it. Let's pray. God and Father, I know this is a sensitive subject. I know there's people with some wounds, people with some history, people with some hurt that makes this whole connection thing scary. God, just be bigger than those hurts and wounds in people's lives. God, I know exploring faith is a daring proposition. I pray you would give people the boldness they need to dare greatly, to jump into the story you're writing. God, I pray that this church would do something about the loneliness that's in our city. As we think about connecting, that we would look to our right and left and think about who we can pull along with us. God, and I pray that we would get a taste this year as group start of what these people got a taste of, that you would move mighty, mighty ways through our groups. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.